0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield.
1: What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! baby! Touchdown! And everybody, happy Monday. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk defense specifically and kind of to give you a heads up for where this thing is going throughout the year we'll be doing two sides of the ball study after the game we'll see how it ties into the all 22 release and some of those things but I think it's nice to do a data recap defensively and offensively kind of tie those two sides together because this is a film breakdown podcast where insights are shared that's ultimately the goal of what I do and uh, you know the the idea here is that we we try to you know, pass along information, knowledge to you as a listener that you might not get anywhere else because they're broader picture things. And I think that the the narrow focus is what's important uh, from this podcast. So you know today we'll spend a lot of time on defense. Tomorrow we'll talk in depth on offense. And if you ever have any questions, any insights you're looking for, never feel afraid to hit me up, DM me. DM the Film Breakdown Podcast Twitter channel. Ask an ATI. You know, anytime you go to the OBR's ATI, ask the insider section, you're going to get a more detailed response. I can always do a little bit more for you because you're a valued part of our OBR family. But I'm never going to shy away from trying to help people guide you in the right direction about things I've seen. That's how I've prided myself on Twitter. That's how I came up uh, as far as being a recognizable voice in this corner. And I think it's fair to, to try... You know, again, try to 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 bring insight to this team and insight to you guys as listeners, as I kind of tear apart my notes here, uh, to to understand this football team better because that's all I want at the end of the day is for you to understand your football team better. So, we're going to talk about the defense. I should mention before a couple injury updates, uh, as you probably all know by now, Mac Wilson's dealing with uh, a, a AC sprain in his shoulder. I think it's a grade one. So. He might not be out a full week. We'll see. He avoided a serious injury, which is great. Steven Carlson appears to have done something significant to his knee, probably an ACL tear or something of the sort. He seems to be headed to the IR or something like that, some some decision that will require him to, like I said, be placed on IR, maybe still be able to stick around the Browns franchise, but he is done for the year. So that puts a little bit of a strain on the fourth tight end position, what they can do, and we will dive into that later in the week because there's a lot to dive into with that, because it has ramifications that could trickle down the roster, kind of the same way we talked yesterday about, you know, this idea of keeping Demetrik Felton specifically as a wide receiver and what decisions kind of come off of that based on who they have. So some doors might have opened. I mean, it's just the nature of the NFL. It's terrible, a knee injury occurs, but doors get open in those certain scenarios when guys go down and people have to take advantage of them if your team's going to find a way to thrive. So, um Yeah, let's focus defensively. 65 snaps total, I believe, is the number uh, of Jacksonville snaps. Let's talk what they did personnel-wise. So Kevin Stefanski, in his post-game presser, talked about the idea that they're going to be extremely vanilla with play calling on both sides. And he noted that. I believe he noted that today uh, because they kind of asked him a question about what the Browns are or how the play calling flow went. And he noted that they want to do very basic things right now because the idea of what they're searching for is guys to just play forward. Less thinking, less scheming for specific opponents, and more, let's see you play forward, let's see you play without thinking, and evaluate your play based on that. So, I think the defense did a ton of that. According to the data I have, uh, I did not not notice more than, it looks like, 57 snaps that were non-nickel. So... What I mean by nickel is instead of a 4-3 with four defensive backs, you're taking one of your linebackers off the field and adding in uh, a slot coverage player. That will traditionally throughout the year be Troy Hill. In this game, the majority of meaningful snaps went to Keandre Thomas, who's an undrafted free agent. He's number 49. He played early. He played often. He played into the late third and into the fourth quarter. 36 total snaps. Did not grade out very well. He had four tackles and had an 80.5 tackle mark, but his coverage mark was 35.0, which is obviously not good. Seven of ten uh, targets. He had ten total targets, seven receptions allowed, 62 yards. He did give up that touchdown to Tavon Austin. But I think there's something there with Keandre Thomas. I thought he's pretty sticky in coverage. He didn't miss any tackles. I thought he was around the football. He actually had a pass breakup on a two-point conversion situation. I don't know. I think he's he's got something interesting there that really peaks uh, something for the practice squad. Maybe as the young man gets more and more reps, he could be a down the line player that you could bring up if injury issues happen. I thought he looked pretty comfortable. In my notes, I noted how early he played. I noticed uh, so, like I said, some of the 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 shiftiness in and out of cuts, which I thought were twitchy enough to be impactful. And at least in my notes, I think he belongs. Now, I don't know if that belong is on the 53-man roster, but I definitely could see a way in which he's a practice squad guy with the potential to come up and play some games if they ever needed him due to injury issues or whatever could happen. You never know in these new 17-game seasons. So I know he didn't grade well, but that that's... I, th- I just thought, you know, sharing some notes on him, I thought he was pretty solid for the most part. Again, for the night, Thomas had 35 snaps in the slot. Only one is an edge player. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. He's primarily being looked at there. He's going to try to push Troy Hill. Uh, obviously, Troy Hill's job, his job, Troy Hill's job is safe, but it is something that they're going to keep working him in and uh, trying to get him comfortable as they possibly can. So, again, back to your personnel groupings. I wanted to make sure you understood Nickel. Uh, so, you know, Greedy and uh, Greg Newsom, your primary outside guys uh, for the day. Greedy played, I believe, 18 snaps, um, and Greg Newsom also played 18, so they got their early first quarter run. Both guys gave up a couple catches on third and eight area that I didn't love. The, the, the over-the-top catch, and even, even uh, Kevin Stefanski noted the deep ball to Marvin Jones that was kind of off of a broken play where it was – a 6-7 second quarterback holding on to the football scenario, it's tough to cover for that long. And even then, I thought Newsom, who kind of scramble-drilled with, with Marvin Jones, almost broke that throw up. So I thought he he did fairly well for the night. There were two catches his way on three targets. He, he did arrive right as one, kind of sailed over Marvin Jones' head. Gave up thirty five yards on the night again. That chunk play, actually forty two with thirty five on that long throw. But you know, I thought he was the twitchiness you like to see. He looked comfortable, stayed in phase when the ball wasn't thrown his way. Thought he was fine. He had a couple tackles. He didn't miss any. He graded out of forty four point two, largely because of the forty two point one on the long, long throw, and then that third and sticks catch that he allowed, which I actually think ended up being short, just narrowly short of a first down. Uh, and they ended up, I think Cleveland ended up getting a stop on that in the first quarter, I believe. have to check me on that. But not bad for Newsom for a debut. Also Greedy, 58.5, 57.4 coverage metric. He allowed one catch on one target his direction for 10 yards. Again, what I think Greedy has to get better at is when he's in off-zone coverage, and he's he's retreating pre-snap, kind of in that soft zone, and he has to get twitchier when the ball is thrown his direction breaking a split second quicker, reading, deciphering routes quicker. That's that's the thing Greedy has to get better at. I think he is fine as a mere press corner who can turn and run with you. And I think from his LSU days, that's what he's most comfortable doing. But there's going to be scenarios where athlete to athlete, you have to play some off-man in scenarios down in distance, like a third and, and nine or ten like that situation was. And you can't give up easy stick throws like on curls, uh, deep stick, uh, deep stick settle routes, anything like that. Whatever the the label they want to call it, you know it's a ten yard stop route. I mean you're just pushing vertical and you're you're hitting the sticks, stopping, turning, and the ball is arriving at the timing throw. You can't you can't allow those to happen. So um, overall, I didn't think either of those two separated themselves. I think they're still neck and neck, and I st- I still think they're going to see a lot of time because Denzel Denzel uh, obviously won't see. Very much preseason time, and justifiably so. I mean, it'd be silly to have him out there in the preseason. So, um, continuing on, uh, d- just giving you the idea of what they were doing defensively with rotations. Malvo was your starter. Porter Gustin was your starter. I'm sorry, Joe Jackson and Malvo kind of rotate, and Porter Gustin. Those are your three guys. I didn't feel, I didn't feel overwhelmingly impressed by any of them. Uh, from the first first group I thought Joe Jackson has shown that he's an NFL level player he had two tackles he did have a missed tackle mixed in there but he had uh, three total pressures three hurries I thought he was at least at least showing flashes of being able to get to the quarterback uh, other edge players like I said Malve had 28 snaps 56.2 overall a 62 69.2 tackle mark he had uh, I think he had a tackle on the game and then a 65.1 run defense His pass rush was only a 50. He did not generate any pressures. So from the edge group, those are your guys who spent the most time on the field. Porter Gustin played only 10 snaps, uh, kind of hinting toward the direction, for me at least, that he's your first D end off the bench right now. Uh, That's just the hint. He had a sack uh, on the day, so his pass rush grade uh, ended up being relatively solid, 63.8, 64.2 total grade, 59.7 run defense. Uh, again, only 10 snaps. I think he's going to be an important player. Uh, but but those are your first edge guys. And then along the defensive interior, Andrew Billings was your first group of guys uh, starting there. Obviously, Malik Jackson didn't play. So you saw from the early group, Sheldon Day got a lot of reps. And I, I continue to be impressed with Sheldon Day, the slipperiness he has in there, the ability to play with his hands. Thought he was pretty strong overall in 13 snaps. He grades the highest among the group of defensive tackles. 66. The, the group of defensive tackles are waiting for somebody to step up outside of Malik because Andrew Billings was a disappointment. Sheldon Day will finish here. 66.3, 54.0 run defense grade, a 67.4 tackle grade. He had one stop tackle. Obviously was his sack that first play, which was just fantastic to see create the fumble. Uh, Trevor Lawrence able to pull it back in, but that's the nature of the game. Sometimes quarterbacks fall on it. His 73.7 pass rush metric was really solid. One of the best uh, uh, across the board. Again, only 13 snaps. Andrew Billings, 11 snaps, 37.4 total run defense grade, or total defense grade, 54.2 run defense, 54.5 pass rush. He did not create any pressures. Okay, He had one tackle. And the thing that I didn't like from Billings in that first quarter of action for him was he was... It's for a big a guy he is and as strong as he is just moved off the football far too easily for me. And he was he got gapped down on a play in the second series when they turned it over into the um they turned it into the second quarter he got gapped down and bullied. I I just I just uh, I don't want to see my defensive tackle, especially a guy who's a shade like him being pushed down the line 4 or 5 yards. I can't have that. You can't have it. It's a problem. So, you know, this is this is the thing they're battling. They need people along the defensive interior to step up. We're going to dive into some more of those guys in just a minute. But to kind of give you an idea, I only accounted for base personnel. Meaning four down linemen, three linebackers, and four defensive backs on one, two, three, four, five snaps. They only the only time they ran out that third linebacker took a DB off was when they recognized that the opposing offense had trotted out twelve personnel. When they ran out of back and two tight ends, they were matching it with another linebacker. The Jags didn't do that a ton. They did it a couple times where they would uh, they would go empty, put Travis Etienne outside, and then play the quarterback solo in the backfield. And the Browns did okay, but a majority of the snaps were very vanilla. And what is their base defense, which by base definition, the one they're going to be in most this year, which is nickel, which is what Joe Woods has said is he believes he should be using, which is nickel defense. So, yeah, I mean, 88% of your defense is nickel. The only other time I saw any different look, okay, I I saw a 3-2-6 in the two-minute. So they decided to pluck a defensive uh, defensive lineman off the field, a defensive tackle, and bring on an extra DB. So Emmanuel Ragumba came on the field, who's an extra defensive back, a corner by nature. So you had Ragumba, A.J. Green at the time. Again, this is right before halftime. A.J. Green, Robert Jackson was on the field by that time, right? You had Keandre Thomas still playing at that time in the slot, Javante Moffitt, Richard LeCount, which Moffitt and LeCount... Were for majority of the game your safeties because they didn't really have anybody else out there to play safety. They ended up bringing on Elijah Benton later, who got 46 snaps. But they, those are your three guys that rotated safety. I'm gonna with Grant out, Sheldon Redwine, John Johnson not playing. It's just a short group right now. Mj Stewart didn't play. They don't have many bodies, so those three played the majority of the time. But those are your six defensive backs. Then you had two linebackers on the field. Taki Taki was playing Will Phillips. Jacob Phillips was playing your Mike. And your three-down linemen were Joe Jackson. You had a zero uh, nose. And Jordan Elliott and Curtis Weaver was on the field. So that little stretch was the only time I saw them get creative and use a dime look where they brought six defensive backs on the field. But that's it. So you're really looking at a ton of nickel, very, very vanilla. I didn't see them blitz multiple people more than a few times they blitzed one person they brought jok several times they would bring a slot defender here and there but for the most part i did not see many pass rush snaps out of guys collectively two at a time late in the game they did that but if you're looking at guys being in blitz uh, pass rush situations as tagged by pro football focus and again i should remind everybody that's where i'm looking at a lot of data here because they're two to three days quicker than sports info solutions
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Three pass rush reps from J.O.K., he, he did get that sack, we all recall. Jacob Phillips had three pass rushes. Elijah Lee, who came on the field to play 41 snaps at linebacker, had three. Uh, three pass rush snaps. Keandre Thomas from the slot blitzed twice. Ragumba, also from the uh, safety, rolled down, or sorry, more of a slot corner dime guy played, 23 snaps. He blitzed once. Mac Wilson in his four snaps before he left with injury blitzed once. Moffitt came down from his safety position blitzed once, and Malcolm Smith, who played 11, just 11 snaps, also blitzed once. So, um, not a ton of creativity defensively. While well, on the other side, we'll talk about this, we talk about offense. I thought the Jags got pretty creative with trying to trying to get the Browns under some pressure. They were sugaring the A-gap, standing linebackers inside, dumping out people unexpectedly. But the Browns didn't do really any of that, in my opinion. So we should continue. As we, we note here, very vanilla uh, high volume, over 88% nickel. You saw some base. You saw a few snaps of dime when the situation called for it. That's really all I have in terms of what I was able to look at, take away from personnel usage. So this will be what we'll do in season. We'll definitely track this throughout the year. I think it's important to to uh, to to go through and see what the Browns are using against not just certain teams, but what they're most comfortable using. Okay. Uh, other things to note, we can kind of go through players here. Uh, We'll spend a lot of time on JOK here in just a minute, but we should go through players and kind of talk about uh, performances. Tommy Togiai, 43.5 total grade, run defense of 37.5, which is probably pretty accurate, and a 48.7 pass rush. He had one hurry. It was a play, I think, uh, if I have it written down. If you're a person who likes to go look these up, 10, 10 minutes, 31 seconds left in the third. He sniffed out a screen. He did a great job there. A little later in the third quarter, I think at the three-minute mark, he did a he did a weird loop where he he went really wide and almost like he he decided to try to get in the path of a late-releasing running back and ended up the quarterback snuck out left. He kind of ducked out of the pocket and, and Togi just happened to be there. I did not again. I'm not trying to bear. This is one preseason game. This is just my takeaways. He's playing way too high. I think he's playing way too high and he's not explosive enough off the ball to get away with that whatsoever. So that might work in the Big Ten, and in, in 10 of your 12 games in the Big Ten. But if he plays that high at the NFL level in those 38 snaps that I saw, he's going to have some issues. He's got to be able to generate pressure. He only played five run defense snaps because the majority of the time the Jaguars were trailing and they were not trying to run the football, period. So uh, I think his 43.5 grade is accurate. Okay, I know it's his NFL debut. He can keep getting better. I think they presume he will keep getting better, but didn't love it. He's gotta improve. Jordan Elliott a forty six point eight, kind of continuing the trend from last year. No pressures, no sacks, no hits, no hurries. He had one tackle. He had a fifty-three pass rush grade. I just I worry about Jordan Elliott's motor. I, I don't think I just don't think he can get away with being this best athlete on the field like he did at the college level. And and it was able to just generate some plays for him. But his late trigger when processing things happening in front of him, who Jordan Elliott has admittedly in the last few weeks said, "I I pass rush is my weakness." He's got to get quicker, more decisive. He has the ability to be explosive, but I just he's so hesitant based, and it just it really concerns me. It really concerns me about what he's going to be because if he makes the roster, it's going to be barely. And that this is in a position that needs as much help as possible. Okay? Among these three that I'm most interested in on the defensive line, kind of the fringe guys fighting for these last few roles, Marvin Wilson, a 41.2, 46.3 run defense, 49.9 pass rush. There were some snaps. He only had five run defense snaps, 20 pass rush snaps. I thought he had some better hand combat. He was able to push-pull a couple times I liked some flashes from Marvin. I don't I don't think he separated himself by any means, but I saw a couple, again a couple flashes. Curious to see if he can put a better game together next week. Damian Square, uh, another guy along the defensive interior, he only got 9 snaps early in the game. 58.2 mark overall, 55.3 pass rush. He had 4 defensive uh, run defense snaps, five pass rush snaps. I didn't get much of a feel for him. He didn't get any pressures. He didn't even have a tackle. I, I, you know, I need to see more. I need to see more of him. but that's, that's your defensive interior room. I didn't think anybody separated and I left more concerned with the group. Not it's too early to really be concerned, but I left with more questions than answers. And I really didn't think anybody separated themselves. So that's, that's your group. We've talked about a lot of your edge guys already. We've talked about Uh, The the top of the group, Joe Jackson, Porter Gustin. Cameron Malvo had 28 snaps, 8 run defense snaps, 20 pass rush snaps. He's just a power guy. I don't see any consistent uh, or go-to move to be a a finesse or beat you with speed guy. So he could be a strong side defensive end player potentially. He had a 69.2 tackle mark, 56.2 for the day. He had one tackle when presented in his direction. He had no pressures. Meh, I would like to see more of him. He's getting early rotational plays. We'll see if we can see some more. Curtis Weaver, his first action after sitting out last year going through the surgery, he did get pretty positive metrics from pro football focus in the run aspect. He had a 71.7 tackle mark. He had one stop tackle on the day. He had two total tackles, 67.4 total metric, 75.0 in run defense, only a 57.7 in rush defense. Uh, rush production uh, mark there. So he had 32 rush snaps, seven run snaps. He had one pressure, one hurry. I don't, I don't, I don't see it yet with Curtis Weaver. I think he has more to his ability to turn the corner than Cameron Malvo does. I think he has more ability to turn the corner than Romeo McKnight right now, who had 22 snaps out of 52.6 mark, a 50.7 pass rush mark. But I need to see Curtis Weaver show the body type change I'm I'm not I'm not totally seeing it. He doesn't appear to be greatly in shape. Maybe maybe he was really out of shape when he arrived to Cleveland. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty evident the dolphins didn't even want to to, to wait until the season to put him on the roster to then IR him. They they exposed him because they didn't care. And I I kind of thought with the build up from the inside of the organization that he was going to be a more explosive player. I did not see that. Um he has more opportunity I'm not I'm really not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to give you guys my opinion on where anybody set themselves apart and I just didn't quite see that from Curtis Weaver. So a lot of his positive metric stuff comes from his pass rush, sorry his run defense which was a which was solid enough yeah okay, but only seven reps there. So if you're looking at your guys who perform best in pass rush situations, you didn't get a ton of quality grades. JOK 74.2 and only three pass rush snaps was your best grade. Okay, Sheldon Day, we talked 73.7 and 11 pass rush snaps. Joe Jackson's 59.2 was the best among anybody with high volume. Porter Gustin only had seven. His 63.8 is the second best among the D-line. So not a great performance. I mean, you know, you're obviously missing tack. You're obviously missing miles. Uh, you're, 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 Missing Malik Jackson, who's not playing. Tack McKinley situation. Those are four of your top guys. But what this second group is trying to do is prove themselves. They have to prove. Someone has to separate to take the fourth or fifth D enrol, however many they decide to keep. You need to see that happen. I hope it can happen. Okay, let's talk coverage. We'll shift there, and then we'll talk linebackers. Last AJ Green plays 31 snaps, 24 coverage snaps, 80.4. He's sticky. Assistant tackle or sorry, assisted tackle. He had one target his direction. He broke it up. He's a little handsy, but I think AJ Green's your clear cut fifth corner right now. Clear cut. Uh, I just like how he plays. He's got some confidence to how he plays. Richard LeCount, who I'm interested with him, man, when he's a single high center fielder, and we'll try to look at the metrics here for you guys. He played 31 free safety snaps. He played five slot snaps. we will try to look at a little bit more detailed stuff here. Uh, We'll try to look at snaps by position and detail it for you. He played free safety, like true center field, free safety, seven snaps, and then he played 13 as a split safety on the left side, 11 on the split safety on the right side. So he did a lot of split coverage, obviously, but those seven free safety snaps were really encouraging, really encouraging. I like him a lot. I I was curious to see because they were very patient with him uh, as the backup in camp here to – to John Johnson, I was curious to see him put it on the field, and I thought he played fast. He played, he played decisively. He tackled really well. He had one stop tackle. He had one tackle on the day. I just, uh, I just thought he played very well. He had an interception and a pass breakup on that. That pass breakup should have been a second interception on that. Uh, the fade up the left sideline where he rolled center field coverage and, and made, a, made a great play reading the quarterback's eyes. So. A really encouraging start to Richard LeCount's preseason. J.O.K., okay, we, we'll, we'll save him again for just a minute. Uh, corner Brian Allen, 69.1. Didn't see Brian Allen do very much. He didn't show up on the box score period, but he gets a 69.1 metric playing late, late, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, 22 total snaps. Elijah Lee, again, we'll deal with that linebacker. Elijah Benton plays 46 snaps. 37 in coverage, a 65.6 coverage score. He had one missed tackle, one assisted tackle. Did not have a ball come in his direction from a coverage standpoint. So not much to talk about him. He didn't pop the screen. He almost had an interception on the tip ball, but just kind of a space filler. I didn't really realize recognize him popping off in any one scenario. Continuing down through coverage, Emmanuel Ragumba with the 57.4 and 19 coverage snaps. He did have two tackles. He had one stop. Plays fast. I don't mind him. I think he's going to continue to get some opportunities with the second team. Greedy Williams, 57.4. Greg Newsom, 42.1. Wouldn't worry about that. And I thought Keandre Thomas was better than that, 35.0. Again, just my opinion. Robert Jackson's 48.7. He was targeted seven times. He allowed four catches. And you could argue he allowed. Uh, let me see here. He allowed 33 yards in coverage. Javante Moffitt, I should mention, too. Just kind of solid. Safety was kind of solid. 54.9 coverage grade. He had four tackles on the day. He did miss one, uh, which which resulted in some yards, uh, but but pretty solid. Four tackles, one assist, two stop tackles near the line of scrimmage. I don't know. I don't know if Moffitt makes the roster, especially with Grant. But he could. If Grant Delpit starts on the IR, maybe they bring him back. If they don't feel comfortable quite yet, Moffitt could make the roster. He was just solid. You know, in the orange and brown scrimmage, he gave up a couple touchdowns. 50-50 throws got to make those plays but he didn't face any of those scenarios so pretty solid robert jackson man i i just thought he was out of cu- out of out of phase out of position and zone really didn't like how he played he ended up getting seven tackles because the ball was thrown in his direction so often he had two stop tackles i just special teamer by trade i just i don't see how robert jackson makes the roster this year Take that for what it's worth. I thought he was the guy that the Jaguars decided to pick on most often in this game. Okay, let's shift to linebacker. Some interesting things to note with this group. Try to kind of herd them together here to go through one by one, talk about how I thought they performed. JOK was phenomenal. Plays fast. Plays at a different speed. There's a couple times, and even Kevin Stefanski talked about, they're trying to get his eye progression right. That last touchdown, his eyes were completely to the three-receiver side in, in in cover three down at the goal line and, and did not even recognize the route pushing up his his hook area, uh, I just think that's an example. He ended up actually being credited allowing that touchdown. So he was targeted seven times. Sorry, nine times he allowed seven catches. And again, he's playing curl flat a lot where those are just easy throws where he has to be responsible to take away curl. He only allowed 40 yards. He came up, made tackles. He did not have a missed tackle. I thought he played phenomenally. I thought he filled quickly. I thought he was decisive, 78.1 overall defensive grade. 74.2 pass rush, 81.4 tackle mark, 74.9 run defense. Uh, again, one total pressure, which is the sack he had. Seven tackles, a solo side, eight uh, if you include the assist, and seven stop tackles, by far the most on the team. And what they say stop tackles are, if you, you'll hear me talk about this all the time. I've already said it for several other players. Stop tackles are defensive stops that that constitute a failure for the offense, meaning it gains very minimal, small amounts of yards, or it's a tackle for loss. He had seven of those in this game alone. That's impressive. He played downhill. He played fast. You notice a couple tweets I put out on Twitter where he's he's he played a wide zone play. Again, three plays to start the game. Plays wide zone as a D-gap defender, so perfectly shuffling technique teach tape tackle where he keeps those shoulders square, fits it up one yard gain next plays a power scheme his direction he steps up fills meets the guard pulling for the inside backer in the in the in the in the hole sheds him is a part of the tackle two yards downfield that's where his assisted tackle comes in and then on third down is is responsible for the a to a gap decide which way you're going to kind of go based off the d tackle the shade he goes through you know kind of dips that shoulder under the running back makes a sack there were a couple times we all saw the screenplay. He blew up. There was a couple screens where he was. It's tough. Sometimes, sometimes during in screens, you get tight ends or uh, you know tight ends are are pulling guards or leaking out, and you're just kind of putting a bind. You have to pick a way to go and try to defeat somebody. There were a couple of those. I thought he got caught on, but, but he played really well. I think there's some things pass coverage wise he could clean up where his eyes are. But as far as like rookies go, I noted it on the Twitch show afterwards, man he's doing things nobody else is doing and uh, we haven't seen a player quite like him and he played alongside jacob phillips and stole the show from jacob phillips several times jacob phillips graded kind of poorly i didn't think he played poorly just kind of graded poorly he's A 44.6 53.3 in run game 54.3 pass rush on three snaps and a 50.6 coverage he allowed one catch on one target for 23 yards downfield that kind of obviously hurts his mind. I didn't think he played poorly. I think Jacob Phillips will continue to be fine as he gets more comfortable uh, playing Mike, handling the duties of playing Mike. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. But he didn't, you know, I thought last year there were several times where Jacob Phillips was really playing fast. I'd like to see some of that continue to show up. JOK and Jacob Phillips together are kind of the future of that position, in my opinion. Mac Wilson, again, four snaps before the shoulder injury. Don't really have much to, to share about him. Sione Taki played 18 total snaps when he doesn't play sam again sam being a, a position that only gets base personnel looks when they come on the field it's not a ton so when he can get a chance to play some will he's going to play some will i think i think he's going you're going to see him late in games you're like what's he doing out the way well, he's, he's getting reps at will to try to get better off ball experience he graded well 74.4 total defensive grade his run defense and five run defense snaps 67.8 76.1 tackle mark. He had Two stop tackles in the run game. Uh, uh, one assisted tackle as well. 69.2 in coverage. Thought Taki Taki's fine. He feels like a safe but linebacker to me who can handle the Sam position against physical teams. But give you some reserve uh, plays and coverage uh, if he has to play well. Elijah Lee played a ton of snaps. He played 41. He had uh, 8 run defense snaps. 30 coverage snaps. 65.5 total grade. 80.1 tackle. I think... He had five tackles, he had three assisted tackles, he had two stop plays, didn't miss a tackle. Three for three in targets, his direction were caught, but only 18 yards allowed. I I think he's fine. I I think he's, if they need a bottom of the roster linebacker, I think Elijah Lee's kind of fine. He can play specials too. I'm encouraged by him. The only guy we're missing from this group is Anthony Walker. Malcolm Smith, the veteran, only played 11 snaps, thought he was was relatively fine uh, when he was on the field. I think he continues to provide nice, Nice, more trustworthy pass coverage, and uh, those sorts of scenarios. Uh, there were right away. I noticed they didn't bring Mac Wilson. Or sorry, when Mac Wilson left, they did not bring JOK on. At will, Taki slid over with the first group. Take that for what it's worth. I think JOK still, still getting better, still getting uh, at least relatively comfortable. Uh, other little things I noted: uh, Phillips was in there. Uh, late into the second quarter with JOK. Those two together is a fun little part there in the late second quarter. You can go watch those guys play together, get a glimpse of the future. Um, when uh, Early in the game, I thought before Mac left that first drive, there was a snap where Mac filled the wrong gap. You can see Jacob Phillips yell at him. It was a nine-yard gain by the Jags where he had two linebackers in the same gap. Those things can't happen. Um, we talked about pretty much everything else. The JOK screen at 14-26. In the third quarter, really impressive. Uh, Not the one that you're seeing go viral. He had another great play on a screen uh, right around that time. And and in there, too, you're going to find, if you go back and watch it, a couple examples where he got caught in space a little bit. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who takes on blockers really well, whether it's guards or tackles or centers climbing. He has to continue to do what he did at Notre Dame and dip, rip, be elusive, beat them to the point of attack. And make your play that way. I mean, there's not a ton of great stack shed linebackers in the league anymore. Those guys are kind of your rundown guys. They get replaced. So he just has to continue to be himself. And I think he will do he whenever the Jags try to block him with a tight end, he overwhelmed them. The tight ends were pretty much intimidated by taking him on. If you go back and watch it, they were very hesitant trying to block him. I'm just not I'm not talking about Tebow, which didn't see J O K very many times. I'm talking like their guys who are trying to make their roster who I consider real football players. So again Take that for what it's worth. Uh, There are times that if the Browns go, other notes I have to share here, there's a 948 in the third quarter slot coverage snap for JOK if you want to go back and watch it against Colin Johnson. Uh, He's going to play overhang. If the Browns keep two safeties in deep coverage, he slides out over number two in two-by-two scenarios. So he won't be inside the box. It'll just be the mic if they keep two safeties deep. The Browns ran a lot of rolled Javante Moffitt up, and when they did that, that kind of kept... Jok in the box, so he'll get overhang defender snaps when they want to keep two safeties deep. That would be a lot of your week one. You want to have two safeties as often as you possibly can against Kansas City. So there's some good examples of that. Uh, I think he got a little too over the top, top heavy lean. Colin Johnson in that 9:48 in the third quarter snap catches a, a speed out where Jok kind of lunges and misses him. He takes a great angle uh, and and is in the right position. Only goes for like a yard but it's just an example of how raw he's going to be against NFL wide receivers when he gets them in the slot like that. Again, he made a great play, great recovery, very fast close. It's only a yard gain, but you can get a feel for, hey, can he get hands-on collision, that kind of stuff. That's a good example. So you got some overhang snaps if you go back and watch the game, but a majority of the time he was in the box is more of a will. So That's about all I have to share. I hope it's been 35 minutes of me rambling about the defense. I'm going to keep doing offense, defense, deep dives throughout the year. So if you're looking for really inside information about how they're playing teams, this is where you need to come. This is what you're going to get. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, again, or things you'd like to hear in these, let me know. I will give you that information. Try to give you, as the year goes on, maybe detailed coverage information, how a guy performed against one guy uh, specifically so on and so forth, and yeah, this covers every player, this covers the personnel, what they did on the field, all of that. So now you know everything you need to know about the Browns' first preseason game from a defense perspective. We'll talk so much offense uh, for your Tuesday morning podcast, so check that out. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Make sure to join the Twitch channel. we got a ton of people joining. We're going to get to 1,000 followers soon. Uh, and that's great. And we need you to sub. Support a lot of hard work and dedication going into that. We could not thank you enough if you are a sub. Consider subscribing with us if you haven't. All you got to do is tie your, your already existing Amazon Prime account to it. Nothing new comes out of your pocket. Your Amazon Prime account, is a, the payment is a payment. But you can tie half of that to us uh, to support good journalism and, and good entertainment for your Browns pregame, postgame, and throughout the week. That's a big part of things. So you don't have to pay anything new. You're taking some money out of Amazon's pocket and throwing it to the OBR, which is cool. So check us out that way. Uh, I'll have a, a written angle on this uh, up at the OBR tomorrow morning for you guys. I appreciate your support. Keep sharing the word about this podcast. Uh, check us out again Tuesday morning with all things you need to know about how the Browns offense performed. So you'll get these things a couple days after the game. Bang, bang. We'll talk about Baker in season, obviously, and then we'll move on. Start talking about the next opponent, bigger picture things. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Have a great day, a great Monday, and go Browns.